fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was performed and musically arranged by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. We are just so proud of this young, multi-talented musical artist from Tennessee. Today we are setting the table with a really good story in East Tennessee agriculture. We visit with Genera in Vonor, Tennessee, and this is a company that manufactures tableware and takeout containers and such from switchgrass and biosorghum mass. These crops are sustainably raised by local farmers right here in East Tennessee. And uh, right now, Genera is actively recruiting local farmers and landowners to grow these sustainable crops. And today, we'll visit with Dr. Kelly Tiller, who is president and CEO of Genera, Sam Jackson, who is VP of Business Development, and Brad Ballantyne, feedstock manager. And our friend Fred Zossman at Johnson City shares a potluck radio segment on Wild Mountain Leaks known in Appalachia as Rams with the late Joanne Kalana Heskey, who was a former member of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Nation in Western North Carolina. Thank you so much for your good company here today at our Tennessee table. I really appreciate you listening in. Let's take a drive down 411 Highway to Vonor, Tennessee, in Monroe County, in the eastern portion of the state of Tennessee, to an agriculturally based company named Genera. They partner with local farmers and landowners to domestically source biomass pulp, regionally grown and sustainable, and they then manufacture molded fiber products from these crops, including compostable food service tableware to-go containers, packaging, paper, tissues, and more. And the product line name for these products, the tableware and to-go containers and other molded products that are made out of this biomass by Genera is Earthables. Now, Genera does not directly sell these. If you're a consumer looking for these products, they are handled by distributors. They currently employ over 80 East Tennessee residents and use a manufacturing technique that is much less environmentally harmful throughout the entire process than a lot of other processes of biomass manufacturing. Also, with these uncertain times involving importing and exporting of agricultural goods, 
This place has the added benefit of sourcing biomass sorghum and switchgrass, which is raised right here in East Tennessee, grown by our neighbors, instead of importing biomass from other parts of the world. And just a note, they do not advertise with this show. I'm just delivering some good news going on in agriculture right here in East Tennessee with this show today. In this interview, I sit down with President and CEO of Genera, Dr. Kelly Tiller, Sam Jackson, who, as I said, Vice President of Business Development, and Brad Valentine, who is the Feedstock Manager for Genera. Dr. Tiller earned her Ph.D. in Agricultural Economics from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. She is a native of Greenback, Tennessee, where both of her sets of grandparents owned family farms. And she is very heavily invested in her community and works to improve the community around her through her work in agriculture. Dr. Tiller is a widely recognized expert in her industry. So first off, let's join Dr. Kelly Tiller, hear about her work, what Genera is all about, and how this benefits our region with agricultural production and job growth in rural communities. And uh, we'll also hear about growth plans from Sam Jackson. Kelly, can you describe what Genera does and how this company got started? Sure. So those are actually two separate questions, what we do now (laughs) and how we got started, Mm -hmm. but definitely related. So let me start with with kind of how we got started. We started working with local growers uh, more than a decade ago now to produce uh, crops that were not necessarily uh, for, for food and for feed, but new now for fiber and products and energy. And we started working with growers in the East Tennessee area to produce uh, primarily switchgrass as an energy feedstock crop and had several companies that were looking at at bio-based fuels and products from those crops. Uh, But again, our role was always kind of in between the farmer and the manufacturer that was going to take that as an input. Mm-hmm. And we did that for a number of years. We branched out beyond Tennessee, worked with a wide range of different types of feedstocks. Uh, and then our customers who were uh, using those feedstocks were producing a wide range of products as well. So we were relatively agnostic as to exactly what was happening to it ultimately, uh, but we were there to help make sure that the uh, ag supply chain worked for those manufacturers. What we've evolved to is to, you know, to recognize that we have the ability to to vertically integrate and to close that loop and ensure that the the feedstocks that are grown on the farm and that we're working to ensure a stable supply are also manufactured in a way that uh, benefits the local economy and the domestic economy and improves the environment. So several years ago, we made a distinct decision to uh, become our own manufacturer, in a sense. And so today, we are working with local farmers to supply us with those sustainably grown fiber crops. We then have a process to turn those into uh, a fiber slurry, a pulp that we then uh, place into special machines that turn it into things like uh, takeout containers and compostable disposable plates and tableware and a wide range of products 
that are entirely compostable, renewable, sustainable, locally grown, locally made. What is not to absolutely love about that? I mean, so before the manufacturing part, would that have had to been outsourced overseas or where? Or well, there, there are two, ans- two parts to that answer. One part is that there is some of this material that's available in the U.S. today, and it's entirely imported, largely from Asia. And there are, you know, while that is certainly uh, a benefit to have available as a consumer choice, it's still a challenging supply chain when it's, you know, coming from thousands of miles away, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of transparency into that whole production process. So it's an improvement there. The second part of the answer is it's also an alternative to a lot of products that today are made from styrofoam or from plastics or from non-renewable resources or using very energy-intensive processes uh, or that aren't compostable at the end of its life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on one hand, it's it's an improved product compared to some alternatives, but even compared to its peers available in the U.S., it's an improvement because it's domestically sourced and produced. In addition to the strong benefits for local farmers and local rural communities, these are a lot of really good jobs coming to, manufacturing jobs coming to the same rural communities. Uh, Because of the agricultural fiber that is the foundation for the business, we're going to be located very close to that. You know, we're not going to concentrate this in, in large cities. It's going to be out in the rural communities. The actual manufacturing is. And bringing good, stable jobs and manufacturing uh, to these rural communities is a huge gain. Oh, it is. I'm so glad to hear that. And, and I would just add, too, that you know, while this plant in Von Orr is our core focus today and and getting it online and and getting it up and running. Uh, We do have a pretty strategic growth plan that this won't be our only plant. And as Kelly said, you know, we'll be looking at rural communities uh, across the region uh, to potentially locate future manufacturing plants. So we hope to continue to amplify that impact in other rural communities as well, Mm -hmm. uh, both in Tennessee and outside. And so you know, while this is kind of the start and the first core uh, facility that we're doing uh, with this process, there's huge opportunity for growth moving forward uh, because of the demand and the consumer pull for these products. As some industries phase out, this would be a really good thing to phase in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you look at areas um, where, where agriculture is a dominant Mm-hmm. Uh, force in the market. Mm-hmm. There's typically a, um, a lack of manufacturing or other opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up in another state in a very rural agricultural area, and the majority of, of students when they graduate high school, uh, they either go into a skilled trade or they leave that area to go find jobs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at revitalizing not only agricultural markets with the farmer feedstock production system, um, there's there's all sorts of opportunities to, to create those higher value jobs uh, in, in rural communities where they've not been for quite some time for whatever reason. Kelly, why did you start this? You know, as you said earlier, why not? I mean, this is such a logical conclusion to draw. Why haven't we been doing this? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of things have kind of come together at the right time. 
to make this not only a smart direction to go and something that consumers are looking for, it's a great fit for agriculture, but the economics work. And that really is the key. There are a lot of things that are possible in a lab, you know, a lot of great things that are somewhere on the horizon, but until they are economical and competitive uh, with what's on the market today, it's a pretty challenging proposition. So that's really what is different now and why now is it's a great opportunity to put all of these pieces together in a way that makes economic sense and is competitive. Right here in Vaughn or Tennessee, I mean, that's something I just absolutely love. And I know the listeners are going to love it because it's right here in East Tennessee. Well, and, you know, I can speak personally. I have a real attachment to, to East Tennessee. I grew up in Greenback, Tennessee, which is, you know, within just a couple of miles of, of where we sit here in Von Orr. And, you know, both uh, sets of grandparents had uh, family farms and grew up in very involved in 4-H and in agriculture and have just seen a lot of changes in agriculture over the decades and have a real commitment to offering opportunities to local growers and you know it's not just the growers it's the whole community it's the whole ag community that really benefits when there is a strong economic foundation for that industry and you know I think uh there just are so many ancillary benefits to that, and that's a lot of what motivates me. And, you know, I'm just really glad to be doing that right here where I'm from. And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Today we're visiting with Dr. Kelly Tiller, Sam Jackson, and Brad Valentine of Genera in Bonor, Tennessee. We'll hear more from Brad Valentine, Dr. Tiller, and Sam Jackson about their active farmer recruitment campaign, and we'll hear more about how these crops are grown and how you can get involved. If you're a farmer or landowner and listening today and might be entertaining the idea of adding to your products that you already produce, you might find this information useful. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we're visiting with members of Genera, a Vonor, Tennessee-based biomass solutions company with domestically sourced and produced ag-based pulp and molded fiber products. They partner with local farmers and landowners and provide sustainable farm-to-finish products, including compostable food service tableware, to-go containers, packaging, tissue, and more. Let's join Dr. Kelly Tiller, Sam Jackson, and Brad Valentine again. And Brad is the feedstock manager for Genera. Let's hear more about the recruiting of local farmers and landowners interested in producing crops for locally made sustainable fiber products. (laughs) <laughs> so the feedstock manager, basically I am the, uh, the first step between Genera and the farmer. Um, so it's my job to go out and meet with the growers to get them interested in producing the crops for us, um, you know, walk them through the process that we, that we require for these crops. Let me ask you, when's, when's planting time and when's harvest time? So for both of these crops here, you're looking at a, a late April throughout the month of May, even early June. Um, there's some different scenarios where if you're double cropping, you might be able to plant the sorghum even uh, later into June and early July. 
Um, and then harvest time is typically um, for the switchgrass. You're going to harvest after the first frost, mm-hmm. uh, so that's going to be after generally the first of November around here. Um, and the time frame for that would last until probably the end of February. Um, for the sorghum, um, one of the varieties that that we typically look at here uh, is a 120 day maturity variety. So anytime in that 100 to 120 day range after you plant would be when you would be asked to harvest that crop. I see. That's kind of a short cycle, isn't it? It is, but this crop can get 15 to 20 foot tall in 120 days. Mercy. Yep. That is a fibrous material. <laughs> it is. It is. So it's, it's a little different than what most sorghum crops uh, people might be used to. It's, it's a biomass sorghum variety, so its main purpose is to get tall, create a stalk, and not produce a seed head as not produce a, a very viable seed head or produce as much uh, leafy material. Mm-hmm. So is it a perennial or an annual? So there is a, the difference in the two crops is the switchgrass is a perennial crop. So you plant it one time and it can grow. We've got some uh, that a producer has uh, grown for us that's been going for 10 years and going strong, still producing great yields. Um, I want to say somewhere on the UT farm, there's some for 20 years over really? 20 years uh, plot that has been going that they started over there um, now the, the biomass sorghum is an annual crop uh, much like uh, corn it requires being planted every spring uh, harvested in the fall um, and the inputs are similar to the corn or to the sorghum as it would be with corn I see as far as fertilizer requirements and stuff well Kelly you had mentioned no-till so does do you mean that uh, the sorghum is no-till planted or both? Can the sorghum could be uh-huh. either way. Uh-huh. Yep. That's also a way better way of doing it. Yep, it? for sure. Like some, you know, apple trees, peach trees. After a while, they'll quit bearing. Does switchgrass do that? We've yet to find a stand that has. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. As long as you maintain it and, and, you know, keep the weeds out of the field and keep the fertilizer requirements where they need to be, mm-hmm. I think it'll last indefinitely. We were aware of a stand that was 27 years old, and it was still just as productive as a couple of decades before. Uh, they did decide to remove that stand, but it had nothing to do with the productivity. It was just for other reasons they needed that land. Uh, but, you know, there's... There's no theoretical limit, mm-hmm. as well as as long as it's well maintained. Mm-hmm. For some of our growers, they don't have familiarity with these crops, and so there's a lot of uh, interaction between, you know, our experts like Brad and the farmers who are experts in their own production, but just may not have familiarity with these exact crops. So. You know, it's a learning process for some of our growers, uh, but we're there to support them and help make that a smooth transition. And, and ultimately, it's a relationship that we develop with these growers and uh, making sure that they trust Genera and that they have the confidence that Genera knows what uh, these feedstocks are capable of and how to manage them. And that's where Brad comes in and he works with those farmers on uh, all sorts of production questions, logistics. Um, He's the frontline management of our feedstock delivery program. Boy. So one one of my favorite stories from when we first started working with uh, switchgrass growers, switchgrass has been around for, you know, a really long time. It's a a native perennial grass. 
but people in this area hadn't actually cultivated it, hadn't produced it as a crop. And so we worked with them to uh, procure the seed, uh, you know, to, to plant it, uh, most of it by no-till drill. And then some of the early calls we got were, well, something's growing, but I'm not sure if it's switchgrass or not. What is this supposed to look like? <laughs> so, you know, in some cases, there's a, there's a pretty steep learning curve just to gain familiarity. Uh, but that's what we're, we're there to help our growers be successful. I see. Another big benefit to our growers is the stability over time. Uh, most most agricultural producers and, and most consumers even are aware of just how volatile ag markets can be sometimes and those wide price swings year in, year out. So not only do you have the price changes, but you also have a lot of weather-related and biological impacts. And so farmers are used to a lot of ups and downs. and one advantage we offer them, particularly with the switchgrass, this perennial grass, is we offer long-term contracts. So it's a very stable source of income year in, year out. And because it is a perennial, it's a very deep-rooted and a native grass that's very well adapted to this area. It has much lower variability in terms of yield year in, year out. So even in drought conditions or excess moisture conditions, it's a very consistent performer. And you couple that with a long-term contract, and it's a very stable source of revenue for their farm. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we've been visiting with members of Genera, a Vonor, Tennessee-based biomass solutions company. They domestically source biomass pulp. They partner with local farmers and landowners and provide sustainable farm-to-finish products, including compostable food service tableware to-go containers, packaging, paper, tissue, and more. And the product line name for these products, the tableware and to-go containers and other molded products that are made out of this biomass by Genera is Earthables. Now, Genera does not directly sell these. If you're a consumer looking for these products, they are handled by distributors. And on the extended podcast edition of this interview, I have a significant part of the conversation included where we talk about the improved production methods that Genera uses, where they don't bleach the pulp, and how this is environmentally far more responsible than traditional methods of breaking down cellulose, and um, also more on the growing of the crops that they're looking for to produce this biomass. A good story indeed to be able to deliver about robust, sustainable agriculture grown right here in Tennessee by regional farmers and landowners. Information about Genera and to get in touch with Brad Valentine on growing these crops, generainc.com slash farmers, and also information and links on Genera, all of my guests, and the podcast of this show, always at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And again, just a note, Genera does not advertise with WDVX or with the Tennessee Farm Table. Up next, we get to hear from Fred Sausman, our buddy from Johnson City, shares a potluck radio segment on wild mountain leeks known in Appalachia as rams with the late Joanne Kalanaheski, who was a former member of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Nation in Western North Carolina.
This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. Joanne Colonna Heskey is a member of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Nation. I sat down with her to talk about something very precious to the Cherokees, wild mountain leeks, known in the Appalachian Mountains as ramps. And now they're in season right now, then they'll go out. I think they'll get old about, probably about July. But we just ate them in the season. We didn't, they couldn't can them. See, back then we didn't have no freezer. If you canned them, they smell through the jar. You wouldn't believe this, but they do. And I don't like them canned, and you can freeze them now. We always eat them for uh, Thanksgiving or a special occasion that I freeze. You don't smell them on me? I've had them for supper and breakfast. I uh, either parboil them and wash them off and rinse them in cold water. Then I put them in a pan of oil or uh, fatback grease and fry them and put eggs, scramble eggs up and put them in there. Or do them plain. Or I just wash, clean them and wash them and then fry them. You can eat them that way. You can eat them about two or three different ways. You can eat them raw. You can eat them in a salad. Cut them up, chop them up, put them in a salad or fry them or parboil them and put eggs with them. You can put either put scrambled eggs or boiled eggs. But I tell you what, you'll have to go on the mountain to get them. I think they're, I think they're important to the people around here. For Cherokees like Joanne Colonna Heskey, eating ramps is a way to stay connected to a past that is rapidly fading away. They took everything away from us up here when we went to boarding school. They've tore everything down except the memories, and they'll never get rid of those, never. For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Saussman. This is Bill Claybo with Foothills Land Conservancy, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table on Tennessee's own WDVX. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.